Thank you, guys. Awesome. Woohoo. So, who's had an interesting weekend? It's been a fantastic weekend so far. Everyone got their sausage yesterday? Didn't get one? What? You didn't support the local PNCs? So, which is just fantastic. Everyone got their vote, their say. So, we'll see what happens later on in the week, I suppose which is going to be awesome. But this morning, uh, I want to just to share quickly uh, on a passage of Scripture, on the road to Emmaus. And I've read this Scripture a number of times. I've shared on this uh, before a few times. And and I love this story because of the amount of things that take place in it. Uh, How many of you actually have read this story on the road to Emmaus? It is a time where Jesus has been crucified and a few days later these guys are walking along the road and they're, they're conversing, they're reasoning with each other of the things that have taken place. And I love this scripture because in it, as they're conversing, as they're talking about prophecy, as they're talking about Jesus, all of a sudden Jesus himself turns up. Have you ever thought about it? Like how many times have you sat in a room with someone and just conversed over scripture? Just reasoned, just spoke about scripture, open the Old Testament, open the New Testament, and you just start talking. And all of a sudden you're there with someone and there's this, this presence in the room. It's like God himself is there. Yeah. Or sometimes you're there, you're reading it, you're conversing, and then you go away and you wonder, wow, there was something different about that. What I I love about this scripture, and it really confirms this, is that whenever you come together and you speak about God and his goodness, he turns up, whether you know it or not. And so I love this scripture because you, you open it up and all of a sudden you see these guys walking along the road and he is with them. The thing that I find funny though is that they didn't even know he was there. They spoke with him, they conversed and they they shared of their experiences and things that took place, but they didn't even know he was there. And so we're going to read this scripture, have we got it there, thanks guys? In Luke 24 verse 13 and said, now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together all the things which had happened. So it was, while they were conversing and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went to them. Their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is that that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? As you walk and are sad. And I I find it funny that one of them turns around and says, well, haven't you heard? Don't you know? Do do you live under a rock? Like, honestly. But they converse and they reasoned. Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? Isn't that like God? You're there and he's like, what? You know God, I'm asking for that, what? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, the prophet who was a 
who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people. And now the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we are hoping that it was he who was going to redeem us, redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and concern women for our company who arrived at the tomb were early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that he had also seen a vision of angels and who said he was alive. And a certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expanded, expanded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I, I look at this and there's a few things that, that come to mind. The first thing is this, is that when we reason with Jesus, when we come to that place and we speak amongst ourselves, he is there. He is there. He, he enters into that place. He comes. These guys, they're traveling. They're reasoning. They're, they're really, they're, they're talking about, you know what, this, this guy, Jesus, wasn't he the one that was prophesied? Wasn't he the one that was wrote, written about in the book? Wasn't he the one that was supposed to come and, and save Israel, come and save the Jews? Wasn't he supposed to rise up and take hold of the Romans and, and scatter them from our land? Wasn't he supposed to raise a great army and, and come in on horseback? But instead, he's on a cross. And so these guys, they're walking down the road and they're like, you know, this can't be it. He can't be the one. All of a sudden, they'd spent those years with him as the son of God. They'd seen him baptized and as he came out of the water, you know, the clouds opened up, a dove come upon his shoulder and flew down, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son in who I am well. They'd probably seen all that. And they're walking down the road, they're talking about these things, they're reasoning with each other and conversing. And then Jesus draws near and he asks them, what, what are you talking about? And they make this statement. They make the statement that, have you not heard of this prophet, good in deeds? All of a sudden, through their conversing and their talking, he had become gone from saviour to prophet. And it says to me that there's a few things that take place when you converse. The first thing is, is when you converse, doubt can set in or faith can set in. We choose. We choose. And so all of a sudden, this saviour has become a prophet. You know, they were thinking about, you know, God sent Moses, he sent Joshua, but wasn't Jesus supposed to be the same? Wasn't he supposed to lead the people out? Wasn't he supposed to show them how to live? You know, they were probably talking about, we, we saw the time that he healed the sick. 
Remember that time, blind Bartimaeus, he came calling out, son of David, king of the Jews, and all of a sudden he received his sight. Or what about the time where the woman with the issue of blood just knelt down and just touched the hem of his garment? They'd seen the miracles. They conversed on these things and all of a sudden... Or what about the guys that came to Jesus? They ripped off the roof and four of his mates lowered that guy down. You know, he couldn't walk, but all of a sudden Jesus said, stand up, your sins are forgiven. Walk. Like, but yet somehow they'd seen their saviour die on a cross. And they come to this conclusion, well, maybe he wasn't the saviour of the world. Maybe he was just a good guy. And we know good guys don't get the girls. <laughs> Maybe it was just that. <coughs> they started reasoning their faith. The thing I love about God is that you'll never know everything. You'll never know everything. And then when you think you've worked it out and you've put it in a box, that's a sad day. It's a sad day. You're on the journey of life and things don't go your way or the way you think they should go. You look at the word of God, you look at his promises, but it doesn't seem to translate into your life. Has anyone been in that situation? You know, doesn't his word say that we're blessed? Doesn't his word say that we're favoured? Doesn't his word... But yet sometimes we look around and we're like, I don't seem to be walking in that. I I don't seem to have that happening around my life. How many times in life do you find yourself in that spot? What you think and what he has is totally different. Let's face it. Whose life actually turned out the way they wanted I think God just laughs from heaven. He's just like, look at you, Sam. You thought you were going to be a panel beater. (laughs) Almost got there. He just looks, he's like, Carolina, you thought you were going to do journalism. Ah, I'll give you Sam. (laughs) I just, it just doesn't work out the way, like, it's like, and then you're like, God, really? I think Carolina said that. God, really? <laughs> you know, but, you know, reason can position you on one or two things. Yeah. It can position you on the edge of doubt or on the edge of possibility. It can position you on the edge of doubt or it can position you on the edge of possibility. I, I remember when we first started this thing called ministry and and uh, uh, Maya was just born and uh, we had dual incomes until that point in time and who knows when you lose an income it's you're stretching it and so being on a pastor's wage it was like you know God are, are we called to this and we started reasoning God are we really called to the ministry are we really called to do what we're doing because because our, our finances don't seem to be matching up with your promises and, and blessing and favor 
It's like, you know, when you have that kid, it's an extra mouth and then no wage, and it's like, okay, God. But what I realized then is it's me providing, but now I had to rely on God to provide. And really all I was doing is, God, now your word better come through. Oh, God, your absolutes better help us out in these situations. Uh, We remember times where we come and we're like, okay, let's walk to work. You know, like it came to that point where it was like, but then all of a sudden what would take place is all of a sudden food would end up on the table. Groceries would end up. People would start just putting fuel in our car. And it was like we wouldn't ask, but it was just like God's provision had come through. And sometimes we get into these places and we're like, God, where are you? And we can start to reason that. But then all of a sudden it was like, God, okay, you are God. You need to do something right now. And I remember us going through this stage and we had a couple that came to us and, and they sort of knew where we were at. They've seen us. They've helped us with ministry and things like that. A great couple in the church. And they sat us down and, and we were thinking, going, oh, that's it. We're not going to do ministry. If this is ministry, we don't want it. We're going to the corporate world. And I remember sitting down with them and they sat there and we had the newborn and all of a sudden they sat there and they said, you know what? God told us, you are where you're supposed to be. We're like... Yeah, really. <laughs> then all of a sudden, they just pushed a phenomenal amount of money across the table. And they said, this is for you. And it was enough money to get us through. And I was just like, God, you are our provider. God, you do supply all our needs. When sometimes we don't think it can take place, he comes through. And, and so when I, when I look at it, I find and I look back, and isn't it funny how you can look back in hindsight and know that you were blessed? Yeah. In the time, you don't see your blessing. You're almost shaking your fist and going, where are you? But he is showing you. He's doing something in you, through you, and through someone else. Yeah. And so through these things, as we come time, we start to reason our faith. I know people that have been healed from terminally, terminal diseases and don't walk with God. You know, I know people that have prophesied that have moved in the Spirit but still don't walk with God. Somehow they've lost their faith, they've lost it. People have, been see, have seen Him and come through time and time again, but they quickly forget what he's actually done. This is what I love to tell our church is keep remembering what he's done in your life. That's why we have praise reports. The praise reports are to write down what he has done in your life. Yeah, we have prayer requests. Yes, we will pray for you, but don't dwell just on the request. Praise God for what he's actually done in your life. Because it's quite easy to go straight to the negative than to thank him for the positive. Never forget to thank him. If we are not careful, we start to look at God through a relative truth than an absolute truth. We need to look at God through the absolute truth, his word. Not a relative truth. As you think about it, relative truth. 
is defined by a person. Relative truth can be defined by your experience. But a person can believe something and strongly, can believe something so strongly, but yet be totally wrong. Have you ever noticed that? It is true because I believe it. It is true because I believe it. Who's got kids? Yeah, I've got a stubborn little one, Jesse. He is as stubborn as you could all get at. You can't move him. Even when he is wrong, even when he is doing something to it, like, I better not incriminate him, but doing something <laughs> to someone's kid, no, to my, whatever he is doing, you know, you can say, hey, don't, that is wrong, he'll just stand there. Like, he will give you the look. Like, you can have a standoff for 10 minutes and like, no, I'm right, it's my, like, it's like, but he believes that he's right. And sometimes we're like that with God. We go and do things and we're like, no, no. In the age of public opinion polls, and we know what they're like, (laughs) when most people believe something, it carries more weight. If a person can persuade enough people, then truth can be created and many people can be wrong thought about that it's true because most people think so now we need to be careful with relative truth need to be so careful that is why we need to take the bible and we need to look through the absolute truth look through everything with the absolute truth perspective in what his word says first timothy 1 4 to 6 To devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is to love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. We need to be careful of turning to meaningless talk. There's one thing that I find should be a filter, is that when we're conversing and reasoning with our faith, if God's not there, just stop. Because something's wrong. But if God is there, keep going. Everything that we should do, every, you know, when, when we come into these places and have conversations, we speak about God's work and we talk about his, his goodness and his greatness. You know, faith should arise within our heart. Faith should always be within our heart. There should be something that burns within us. So that when a word is spoken, it penetrates the very hearts of individuals. God's principles are not the same as worldly principles. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes you come to church or you open your Bible and you're like, that just doesn't match up. Like, God tends to turn everything on its head. It's countercultural. You think about it, the world says, he who has the most toys wins. 
God says, he who gives the most. It, it doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't make sense. We can look at it and we're like, God, how, how does that even work? Like God, he, he says that. He says, give and we give them back to you. The world would say you need to find yourself, look deep within, look after number one. What does God say? Does anyone know? <laughs> Everyone hates this. It says, he who loses his life for my sake will find it. But how many of us are willing to actually say, here God? Oh, yeah, God, you can have everything but that toy. <laughs> if the shoe fits, Doug. <laughs> that is why self-help classes are not the answer. You know what? He is the answer. He is the answer. First Corinthians. 127, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. The things which are mighty. We find through reasoning these two disciples somehow slip into doubt. Through reasoning, these guys, they somehow slip into doubt. You know, logically, he can't be the son of God. You know, Jesus, he was just a prophet, a mighty indeed and, and word before God and, and all the people. That, that was their conclusion. I find this, that doubt will always position you on the edge of unbelief. You, you'll always go into doubt, but then doubt leads to actually unbelief. Think about the time that Peter stepped out of the boat on water. The disciples were going across the lake and Jesus was walking to them and some of them were freaking out. Is it a ghost? And then all of a sudden they realized, no, that's Jesus, the Son of God, walking on water. Wow. And, and Peter's like, you know what, if that's you, Jesus, just say the word, just say come. And, and Jesus says, come. And he, he steps out and he starts walking on water. But then all of a sudden what takes place is he starts to look at the circumstances around him. He starts to look at the wind. And then logic and, and reasoning start to set in. And even though he can see Jesus, he looks at all those things around him and he starts to sink. He starts sinking and he start, and all of a sudden he calls out to Jesus. Jesus reaches out and lifts him back up. How many of us have heard the voice of God say, come? And we've stepped out. First couple of steps have gone really well. But then all of a sudden it's like, God. And we start to doubt. Did he actually call us in the first place? 
Like Jesus says to Peter, and we can put it up, I won't read the whole bit. He says, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? I find when I step out for God, woohoo, it's a ride. It's like nothing goes to plan. It's like the door was open and you step through that door, it slams behind you. There you go. And all of a sudden there's opposition. There's things that are coming against you. There's, you, you have a choice. You can believe in the word of God, you can have faith in his word, or you can doubt that he actually called you. And what I find is when people start to doubt, that's when they start to sink. Most people, they they get almost to the edge of seeing a breakthrough, seeing God move. In whatever circle, it could be a business deal. You step out, God's called you to go into business. He's called you to go down a certain line. You, You step out. And then all of a sudden, opposition comes against you. It's like, oh, I think this is a bad. Did you hear the voice of God? Did you hear him calling? Are you doubting the call that he's put on your life? Are you doubting what he's asked you to do? And then when we start to doubt, all of a sudden we start to just sink within the circumstances that we're in. Where God has called us to walk above our circumstance. And into the promises that he has for us. And here's Peter, God. Peter could actually see Jesus, but yet he still doubted. He could actually see Jesus. I, I don't know. I've never actually saw, I know he's called me, but I wonder whether I would have that doubt come in my life if I actually saw him saying, Come. circumstances you start to reason is God truly in this or God could only be in this or God could only be in this second thing first thing was doubt positions you on the edge of unbelief the second thing is possibility always positions you on the edge of faith. Always positions you on the edge of faith. The first thing I will say is that when you start reasoning your belief or conversing or is that he draws near. He actually draws near. He wants you to reason. He wants you to look in the world. He wants you to take hold of the absolute truth. He wants you to study for yourself. He he wants you to delve into the depths. He he wants you to do that, and as soon as you start to do that, he looks over and he's like, wow, okay, I'm going to be in on this. And he's just waiting around the edges. He's like, so how far are you going to go? Come on, you can read more than one verse. Don't start at Genesis. How about you start at John? 
you're just a baby Christian. You've just, what, you accepted Jesus? In, you just accepted me. Just start in John. Yeah. And he's just waiting. He's just waiting for the invitation. And these guys, they were like, well, haven't, haven't you heard? And, and that was the invitation for him to step in and converse with them. That was the invitation for him to come. He will draw near. It gets his attention. I love what C.S. Lewis says. It says, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, is of infinite importance. Infinity importance. Infinite. I'll get there. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. If we live on the edge of possibility, then we cannot afford to live in the realm of relative truth, of our own circumstances. We actually need to live in the realm of absolute truth. Absolute truth. These guys, they they walk and they converse and they talk with Jesus and and he tells them, he, he opens up scripture and he talks scripture with them. And then they get to their destination and they sit and they talk. And, and in Luke, it's they're breaking the bread. And the end of Luke 31, 32, they, they break the bread and they come to this occasion where their eyes are open and they see who he is. And they made this statement, didn't our hearts not burn within us when he spoke? Did our hearts not burn within us when he spoke and they got up and they went and told the people around? And when God is there and you're conversing, your heart will burn within you. Your heart will burn within you. Did did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them and gathered together. When God is there, something takes place. He burns within your heart, faith builds and you can't help but tell those around you. You can't help but share the good news. You can't help but live in that state of have you heard? Have you heard? Have you heard? I love it because the Bible is no mere book, but a living creature with the power that conquers all that oppose it. And Napoleon said that. It's a living book. The Bible, if true, is absolute. Then if the Bible is true, then it is also absolute. If the truth of the Bible is absolute, then it cannot change with the reader. If the biblical truth cannot change with the reader, then what is true in the Bible for me, given proper interpretation, is true for everyone. It's true for everyone. It's true for everyone. What are the absolute truths in your life? When you start to reason with faith and absolute God possibilities 
take place. God possibilities take place. Think about it, David and Goliath, a God possibility. It was a God possibility. The Roman centurion comes to Jesus where his servant is sick. And hey, you've got to realize he's a Roman centurion. His God is Caesar. He's a Gentile. He's not a believer of the way. He, he comes to Jesus and he says, hey, my servant is sick. Just say the word and he'll be healed. Jesus is like, well, I have not seen such faith in all of Israel. Maybe like someone walking in here and Jesus is in here right now. Someone walks in and they say, Jesus, how about you just say the word? And he'll be saying, I've not seen such faith in, oh, in this whole church, in my whole cho- chosen people wow. that actually believe in me. Oh, I've never seen... T- Now that's a slap church. <laughs> Imagine if you're an Israelite or a Jew, like, whack. Sorry. Just say the word. He, he knew the power in the word of Jesus. Jeremiah 20, verse 9. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more of his name, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not. I believe that's how we should be. Like Jeremiah receives a word from God, where we receive a word from God, when we converse with God, when he puts something he burns within our spirit, it should be inside of us that we we can't hold back who we are. And what I mean by this is not that we go out and we say, thus saith the Lord, and we're quoting scripture all the time, but our life cannot hold back who our God is inside of us. It's that we rise up and we become who He's called us to be in every area of our life. So when people look, they're like, something different, something's burnt, like, what's that guy on? Why are they they always happy? Like, everything's falling around around them, they're happy. Because they live by an absolute truth. They live by an absolute truth. Church, let's make a commitment to being in a world, in the Word, regular this week. Let's make a commitment to conversing with the things of God. Let's make a commitment to speaking with each other so that God draws near, so that He burns our heart so that we can influence our world for God. So that we know who He is. So that lives will be changed. Let's live on the edge of possibilities and not the edge of doubt. Whatever circumstance you're in, whatever you're going through right now, look at it through the filter of God's absolute truth. Look at it through that. And not the circumstance that you're in right now. Father God, I thank you that we have the ability to be able to open your word in this place. To be open 
the word in this country. Father God, that we can, we can delve deep within it. But more than that, Father God, as we do open your word, as we speak amongst ourselves and together, Lord, that you do draw near, that your spirit is entwined. Lord God, and today I pray that you position each and every one of us on the edge of possibility, on the edge of faith, that you are the Son of God, that you are the King of kings, you are who you say you are in that word. And Lord, no matter what circumstance we're in right now, Father, I pray that we look at it through that word and that your promises are the same today and forevermore. And we take hold of those and apply them to our life. In Jesus' name. Just while heads are bowed, eyes are closed. These guys on the road to Emmaus were reasoning, were discussing the events that took place of Jesus dying on a cross. And to them, they had this thing, was how can a saviour die on a cross he was supposed to save us but they didn't realize but by dying on the cross he sacrificed himself so that we could have a relationship with God so that the kingdom of heaven could come and as he died on the cross he rose three days again triumphant and today I want to give an opportunity is is it if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, all you have to do is believe in Him. That's the first step. It's just acknowledging Him as the Son of God who died on a cross so that we could be connected to a Heavenly Father. And from that moment on, it becomes a journey of a relationship with Him. But it just takes us acknowledging Him today. So this morning with eyes closed, head bowed, I want to ask that question. Do you want to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? Just so I know who I'm going to pray within a couple of minutes, I'd just love for you just to raise your hand just quickly. Just as I look around. Yep, I see that one hand. Thank you. Does anyone else want to join? Father God, you see the hearts that are in this place. Lord God, today I thank you that our hearts are turned towards you. And Lord, today, Father, I thank you for the ones that have made a decision to say, hey, I want to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour. I want him to be my Lord and Saviour. And today, Father God, I pray that you, you seal that decision in their hearts with your Holy Spirit today as a guarantee. And Lord God, from this day forth, as they believe in your Son, Jesus Christ, you'll draw them closer to you. They'll have a relationship with you. They'll walk in new life in you today, Father. Bless them. Keep them safe on this journey. 
of knowing you and drawing closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give him a hand. Let's go.